Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Electronic Gentleman Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Sample, and today Eric Pubins will be joining me live from New Jersey. Today we're going to talk about some of the tools that we use and that we have stuck with over the years that we feel are good starting points if you're forming a new company. They're not the end-all, be-all, and this isn't going to be a comprehensive review of every tool that's out there. But these are some ones that we really like and that we use on a daily basis. And we're starting this week with just the essentials, um, file sharing, email, website, the basics. And then later we may get into some of the stuff that we really like um, that might come later. With this show in particular, and as usual, these are just um, our opinions. We're not um, being sponsored or being paid by any of these um, software companies. So this is all just um, this is all just stuff that we like. With that being said, we hope you enjoy this week's episode of the Electronic Gentleman Podcast. Eric, you are uh, up in New Jersey on business, and um, thanks for stopping to record. Um, we've had a little bit of a delay uh, since our last show, and you know, uh, an unnamed person once told me that if you don't record every week, you're going to lose your audience. But you know, I, I didn't know what to tell Rob. I told him that maybe he's more forgettable than we are. But I, I don't well, think. I know there was a half a million dollars in our contract that came off for this week, but that's okay. We'll make it up. Oh, great. Well, there you go. All right, so this week we thought it'd be cool to talk about, um, we've mentioned in the past we were going to talk about some tools, um, and we've talked a lot about Slack in the past. But getting started, it is essential that you have a good framework for the critical things you need to accomplish when you're running your business. I broke those down into what I consider to be probably the three or four most important pieces, one of them being obviously communication, email, setting that sort of thing up. The next one is a website. That's a critical thing. And I think the model for building a website has changed a little bit over the past five to 10 years. And I think it's worth mentioning. And then where do you store your files? Where do you keep your important data? So maybe we'll take a take a crack at email first. We have always used Google. What started out as uh, Google Apps now is G Suite as our email platform of choice. And I think it's been a a good platform. You agree, Eric? I'm thrilled with it. Never looking back. And the reason I wanted it in the first place is because it was cheap. It was super cheap compared to uh, pretty much any other, uh, you know, business-based email where you could put your domain name on there and, and, you know, have your actual company email and not be using some sort of cheesy hotmail or at Gmail address. Um, And at the time, you know, they said a lot of people were using it, but I didn't know that many. Now it's uh, it, it's it's everywhere, and it's gotten so much better even than it was then. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think one one thing that people think about when they hear Gmail is they'll be like, oh, gosh, I hate that web-based format. I really don't like that conversation view that they have, and it makes it really hard to keep track of what I'm doing, especially for business stuff. But I think uh, something people don't understand about that is, number one, you do not have to view it in the web. Um, It will work with any traditional email package. And the second thing is you can turn off that conversation view thing, which I think that can be nice for personal email, but I agree uh, it's just a matter of preference. But for business, I like to have that turned off as well. I don't mind it. Uh, I've I've been perfectly fine with the conversation view, how fast you can search through it. And, uh, you know, I I just like the way Gmail worked from the beginning. But a lot of people didn't. And there were people who used Outlook. Uh, Personally, when I left 
our other company, and I never wanted to see Outlook again. And that's why I that's why I wanted to go with the web based thing, um, so I could check it from anywhere. And Outlook was so yeah, it's it's better now, I guess I'm sure. But at the time, it was so sluggish, um, and it caused you know it caused me to punch my laptop screen more than pretty much anything. Um, so I was I was happy to see it go, but not everyone was, and people can use it. So I mean, yeah, the, if your point is that it works with Gmail, it totally does. Yeah, and I mean, there's a good example of uh, different preferences, and there's just a lot of ways you can configure it. I, mean, I think we remember the Outlook days where Outlook was be would be syncing with an Exchange server, and you never knew what was happening. It would just say syncing or downloading, and there was no information about what was happening. And I think that made probably made both of us hate it. And I'm sure it is better now than it used to be. And so, you know, there's, especially with Outlook um, 365 um, and that whole configuration that, that Microsoft is doing online now, I think it really is going to come down to where you stand on Outlook and where you just, how you feel about Microsoft stuff in general. Uh, another nice thing about the Google suite, though, is, you know, all of the different add-ons and plugins that you can get um, to enhance it. There's, you know, a lot of them are paid third-party add-ons, but um, you can do get a lot of things to integrate with Gmail, you know, from CRM stuff to, um, you know, just business tracking and contacts and Salesforce and all that sort of stuff. So it, it provides a lot of flexibility on that. I mean, we, we actually do use Microsoft products for a lot of the office type tools that we use, but we still stick with Gmail for the communication stuff. I'll tell you, I have I have the Microsoft 365 account for when people send us attachments. Uh, I'm I'm not you know unless something major changes, I'm not going back from using Google Sheets and Google Docs. To me, those are two of the just most awesome, powerful, and simple things you can have if you're remote and collaborating. We don't have an office where we have things on the same server and stuff like that. Well, I mean, we we have our Dropbox and some other stuff you'll touch on, but version control and things like that you run into with an Excel file or a Word doc. You just don't have that anymore when you're using the Google Docs. And if you need to send somebody a Word doc, export the Google Doc to that. Uh, it's so simple to me. You never lose anything that you've written. And I use the, the spreadsheets to do our finance, Google Sheets, on my iPad, my phone, uh, any computer I can get on uh, to update stuff all the time. Uh, that's the one. If I had one program to take with me to a deserted island, it would be Google Sheets. Yeah, it's um, it's super powerful. And it's... I mean, this is a something I've discovered with the Google products, too, is just the way that they can tie into other things. You can have um, different programs feed data into the Google Sheets, and it, it can it really be robust if, if you um, connect it. And even if you just use it as is, it's still really powerful. And I, I believe that, you know, the Microsoft tools are starting to become more collaborative like that, where you can work on things together. But, you know, with us being separated um, across the country, it makes it really nice if we're trying to work on a single document uh, simultaneously. It's like, well, you, you, you know, if you want to work on this paragraph up here, I'll work on that. It works great for proposals, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, there's another misconception I think people have about Google and, you know, uh, Google Drive. The assumption is that you can't store, you know, native Microsoft files up there. But over the years, Google has changed Google Drive um, to the point that it's now a storage platform like Dropbox or anything else. So you can actually retain native Word files and native Excel documents and then convert them into Google Docs if you want to edit them right there in Google, but you don't have to. So it's really a flexible platform. Yeah. You know, going back to what you were saying about how 
in in office you can collaborate at the same time the way you can in Google Docs. Not to be too much of a Google fanboy, but I mean, I actually got excited that that you could maybe do that in Excel files and PowerPoint and Word. We tried it with two people, and it's you know you, you get excited because they say they're going to do it, and then you remember that it's Microsoft that did it, and they've put together some great stuff, and it's stuff I do every day, but it's just not even close to the simplicity and how smooth it is um, to collaborate with people that you're thousands of miles away from at the same time where you can see the cursor moving and exactly what they're typing. It just, when I tried it, it just didn't work. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're probably having to have this compatibility with older systems and the, the benefit Google had is they kind of built this thing from the ground up. I mean, it pretty much had that functionality from the beginning. Um, so I think that, you know, Microsoft's playing catch up a little bit on that front. So that, that's, that's kind of our email. And, you know, when people start new companies as well, I think there's a little bit of, um, you know, trepidation about, well, how do I get, you know, something like that working with my custom domain name? And they've really got that streamlined as well. You know, uh, I think you can even go ahead and buy your domain name, uh, you know, domain name being your whatever.com or whatever. You can probably do that through Google. Um, we usually use something like GoDaddy to reserve the name. And then it's really, they make it really easy to go ahead and convert that over um, into Gmail and it, it becomes seamless. Your customers don't have any idea that it's Gmail. It all looks very professional and, and it works really well. And, and it's cheap. It's cheap too. Right? I mean, it is. Yeah. Isn't it still ba basically like a hundred dollars a year per user? Yeah, I, I think so. It's now, if you have at least five users, you end up with something like unlimited storage. Now everybody's sort of jumping on that bandwagon and you know, the different Tools have different price points depending on how many people you're starting with and how many people you add. And it's it's worth looking into that. Um, but I do think Google is super competitive on that front. It seems like, you know, you may be paying um, per person for the year. But with that, it's not just email. It's the entire Google suite, uh, which gives you all the things we were talking about before. So it, it's really a good price. So transitioning from email, um, let's go into file sharing because there's some crossover there. Now, just as we talked about Google being great for email, it's also powerful for file sharing and storage. But that being said, it is not our solution of choice. And I'll talk a little about why that is. I still feel like Google and the Google Apps G Suite are great for one-off sharing and I, f I personally find their file sharing paradigm a little unusual. I still, I still get confused when something is shared with me that is not automatically in my drive. I have to like then look at that thing that's shared to me, add it to my drive, and then it's part of that. And it's just a little more granular than something that we need for working on files on a daily basis. So for that, we stuck with Dropbox. We had Dropbox pretty early on in the company. Um, it is not perfect. I don't think any of these solutions are perfect, but it is the, uh, it's still the tool of choice. Um, and in this space, I would, you know, consider to be, you know, box.net, I guess maybe they're box.com now, um, Dropbox and Google. Um, there are others, um, but I think of those as the big ones. Yeah. You know, in, in, as much as I love those Google apps, the sheets and the docs, um, not a big fan of Google drive either. Um, the way it, I, I don't use it for, for real storage of anything. Um, I only use it for their apps to collaborate with other people um, to take notes and stuff like that. But our actual files that we're using for work, I don't think it works very well with that because you're still talking about upload and download 
to be able to use things. I mean, is actually is that even true? Do they have a Dropbox t- style sync now that I haven't even noticed? Yeah, they do uh, because they, we haven't needed it. Yeah, they've got a Google Drive sync tool, and you know, I, it, it works fine. Um, I just, you know, there's it, it's sort of like a little bit of a catch up that they're playing to Dropbox, and one of the things that Dropbox has that I still think is sort of unique in the industry is they have block level syncing, which sounds technical, but what, what it means is that if you've got a file that's, you know, 20 megabytes and you change one line of that file, let's say it's maybe a large PowerPoint, when Dropbox has to sync that change back to the server, it doesn't have to sync the whole file over again. And so you can imagine over time that that really saves a lot of time. And bandwidth. Yeah, and bandwidth. Both of these programs have, you know, apps that make it feel like these things are local on your computer. And, you know, in the old days, people used network drives and they would mount drives and everybody would work off of the same file. And, and it, it takes a little getting used to and probably now less so. But when we first started bringing people into the company, the whole idea of Dropbox, which is essentially that everyone is working on their own copy of the file locally. And then when they save it, it goes up to a centralized server and then those people can pull down that version of the file. That takes a little getting used to because we would get people ask questions like, hey, do you have the file open? I'm working in it. Well, it doesn't really work that way. Now, you can save over something and cause conflicts if you name them the same. And it, so you kind of have to have a protocol in place for that. But it is really nice because then when you shut off your computer, when you disconnect from the Internet, those files are all still there and you can work on them locally so that when you reconnect, it syncs and everything's, um, everything gets synced up once you're back online. So that makes it much better than working off of some like a network file server. Well, and that's when you have them all syncing locally because we now, we, you know, in the last year, there's been that new option where because we were always running out of hard drive space, right? Because let's say there's like eight terabytes worth of stuff on Dropbox and you've got a one terabyte or a two terabyte hard drive. You had to be really selective about what you would sync. And probably a year or so ago, they uh, they had the cloud sync. Is that what they call it? Cloud sync? Yeah. Whatever it is. Well, maybe the smart sync now, I think. Smart sync, whatever they're calling it, where now you can see just like, you know, in your in your finder or your Windows Explorer, you can see all the files, um, but they're not necessarily on your computer computer and you don't have to use a web browser to 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 get to those. And then when you click it, it downloads just that file, you know, or or you can tell it, okay, bring this entire folder down and okay, all this big stuff that I have here right now that takes up three gigabytes. I still want to see this folder, but go ahead and take it all off of my hard drive and just right. leave it and just leave it in the in the cloud. And then anyone else can still get it locally. And that might sound kind of confusing, but basically it's awesome because that lets everyone in our company see everything that's on our quote unquote server and still and, and get to that at any given time without having to play that game of this isn't shared with so-and-so. Okay, I need somebody to help me out right now, but they need to be sent an invitation to share this folder or it fills their hard drive, blah, blah, blah. Uh, basically, it was just a giant step up to do that sort of cloud smart syncing. Yeah, and the old way, they've always had a selective sync, but you couldn't see what was up there. So, like if you if you were working on one or two cases, uh, you could selectively sync that case to your computer, but then everything else that was on the Dropbox server was a mystery uh, unless you went to the web browser and looked at it. Um, and the other good thing is when you, like you're saying, this smart sync, you're not just seeing live what's up there it syncs that index to your computer so that even if you're disconnected from the internet, you still see everything. It's just that you may not have it local and you, you're going to have to get back on the internet to download things. But that makes it really nice, number one, for organization. 
Uh, because the really cool thing about that is you can organize files on your computer that you don't even have on your computer. You can move folders around in files and it updates them on the server when you're connected to the internet. So you're basically moving um, you know, the pointers to the files around and it. It's really efficient. Um, but speaking of efficiency, we've actually um, recently run into some situations where you know, we're pushing Dropbox to a point where you know, um, you get enough files on there, um, even if they're not huge files, just the volume of files can start to um, take a toll on Dropbox and cause things to sink slowly. So we've been looking at solutions for trying to get that cleaned up um, and not necessarily have everything out there on Dropbox. But one really interesting thing about it, and this is, I mean, this has been a game changer for us in a lot of situations, but with the Dropbox plan that we have, um, there are really, if you delete files on Dropbox, they never go away. We fortunately started using Dropbox long enough ago that they've, um, you know, I think even with any business account now, you can opt in for the um, unlimited undelete option. But if you can imagine saving over a file or accidentally deleting a file, the fact that you can go in there and recover it has saved us many times. Well, and it's important because it's not whether or not you do it. It's whether or not someone else inadvertently does it that's, work, that's working in the case with you. I actually can't think of a time where I've deleted, we've ever deleted something and had to tell a client, oh, we completely lost what we had. And, you know, knock on New Jersey wood here, uh, that, would, that would be awful. And we've, we've somehow avoided it for this yeah. long. Yeah, it is. And not to mention, it's not just go back. You can go back any number of versions. Every time you hit save, it creates a new version. I mean, there's been some you know, concern about security and that sort of thing in the cloud. Um, and I think it's worth noting that Dropbox, I think that they took some things to heart about what people were concerned about. And I think that's um, something worth um, looking into and finding out if that level of security is suitable for what you're doing. The other thing that you can do, which we do sometimes, is you can actually encrypt files and sync them to Dropbox and keep everything encrypted from your side of things. And it's just a very flexible tool, and they keep adding new features that we really like, and so that's that's kind of our go-to for now. Yeah, security is important to us, so the more they add for that, the better, too. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 at first, it, you know, they, it seemed a little bit Wild West, and, uh, you know, and we still will keep some things out of it at the request of, uh, like, sometimes the end client, you know, the, like the, the, the corporations we're working for uh, will just say no Dropbox, and so we just, we keep it out at that point, but... Um, but otherwise, I mean, it's it's as secure as anything else you're going to use. And people are going to crack into banks if they really want to or bring down a whole law firm if they really want to. But uh, they, they've been doing a good job on security. Yeah. And it's always, you know, you, there's lots of different precautions you could take. And one thing that we are looking at now, which is um, becoming a bit more prominent, is to use peer-to-peer -peer technology. Um, you may be familiar with peer-to-peer -peer from things like BitTorrent and some things that have really bad um, maybe name in the industry. There were times when different um, corporations would completely block any traffic from technology like that. But the interesting thing about that technology is it's really good technology and really powerful and can be really flexible. Actually, the company that was doing BitTorrent back in the day has created a really powerful product now called Resilio that we have been testing out for doing some of the backup. We were talking about how Dropbox starts to get overloaded. Um, we're looking at doing some backups with that. And the thing about Resilio that makes it a little bit different is that there is no central server. There is no third-party Dropbox that um, hosts all of the data. 
basically when you say peer-to-peer, it's basically all of your different devices, whether you have servers in different locations or you have multiple computers, they are all um, providing information to each other. So it's it's a really controlled environment. Um, it's actually really user-friendly. It's, it's getting, you know, what used to be something that I would consider to be pretty technical and hard to implement is becoming a real contender, in my opinion. Um, we've started testing it on a basic level. And because they're not hosting any of the data, it actually is much cheaper um, than something like Dropbox. Um, and there's even some free versions out there. Sync Thing is another one. Um, but I would recommend looking at peer-to-peer sharing. It sort of functions the same way as Dropbox, but you really take any other company out of the loop, and it's really just all hosted um, by you. And ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't get the warning at the beginning, this is absolutely the nerd show. Um, hopefully it's not always this in the weeds <laughs> on the geek stuff. But Derek is so good at that. He needs to talk about it. The people that do understand it, uh, take it to heart because the testing he's talking about has been ama- has been amazing. Uh, Resilio is, looks like a really killer uh, way to, to just save tons of data uh, and archive it and be able to access it. And it's super secure. I'm impressed with it. I couldn't explain it, but uh, it, it looks really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been it's been good so far, and uh, we're just kind of getting into it. But uh, so I think that's probably enough on storage. I mean, you know, we could touch on what used to be the go-to, which was you'd have a server in your one of your offices in the back room and have everything stored on there, and uh, if it went down, you'd lose everything. Now, you know, you could always set up a RAID system where you've got redundancy and that sort of thing in your hard drive, but it's just still, you know, you're you're a small company, you're starting out. Do you really want to just be spending all your time adminning and, um, you know, making sure your hard drives are functional and all that sort of stuff and taking the risk of losing it all in, in one bad lightning storm? Uh, highly recommend you don't do that. Um, again, this is, as we've said before, leave it to the experts. You know, when you use one of these other services, you're talking about redundancy and lots of servers and 24 hour support and things like that. So highly recommend you don't don't feel like you're saving money by starting small with one computer to store all your files. Well, you know, and you've been talking about internal sharing and internal storage and archiving, the sharing with your, your work product with your own client without using email attachments um, is another one we didn't touch on. You can use Google Drive for that. Uh, but what we use and we've been using for years after multiple other options that we tried first, it didn't work as well for us is a one hub. Uh, if you've if you haven't checked out onehub.com, we actually have branded it uh, to where it's coreworkflow.com and you can make it look the way you want. But that's one of those things that's, that's just one of those really simple drop the files you want to share into the browser and you can either completely share your folder structure or just a link to your folder or files uh, with the with the clients on the end who want to look at it. And they can actually just, you know, not even open in PowerPoint or Word or, or any video playing software. They can actually look at it right in the browser or on an app on their phone. Um, that's been really powerful for us as well to share outside of the company. We started that back before, you know, the, the big concern with Dropbox and um, Google uh, at the time they were not super focused, particularly Dropbox, because that's what we were using at the time, was not particularly focused on being able to share externally with passwords and that sort of thing. Since then, that's gotten more robust, where you can take a uh, folder of your Dropbox, right-click on it, share it, add a password with expiration and all that sort of thing. But what we like about OneHub is that it's a great interface for people to look at. Um, It's very web-friendly. People that know how to browse websites 
and just the folders on their computer. It's very simple. Um, you dig down into folders to look for files or you can point people directly to them. But And also just being able to view everything in the browser without a whole lot of confusion and be able to brand it. it. All that's very nice for clients. And they also have a really robust user structure. So if you need to kind of let certain people see things, let um, other people see only a subset of those things, be able to control all that in our business is really helpful. Right. Um, you can even have where so, where you can you can only view or you can only download or you can you you can't delete anything unless you yourself uploaded it. It's 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 pretty granular the, granular the, uh, the 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 user admin settings and it's and it's pretty cool and and pretty much everyone we have knows how to use it expertly because it's that simple. Yeah, and I mean it's laid out in such a way that you can browse it on your phone or. Um, even better on an iPad or a, a larger tablet and just um, be able to kind of view that stuff anywhere and take a look at versions of things and uh, documents or um, graphics and that sort of thing. So we highly recommend OneHub. We've been using it for years now as well. Um, so w- without dragging this out too much, and like Eric said, this is a pretty nerdy episode, but um, I did want to touch a little bit on uh, on website development, which is another key component of starting a company. You know, the uh, the business used to be where you would have to go in, unless you wanted something that looked very cookie cutter um, or very amateurish, you would have to go out, hire a developer and build something really custom. And it would cost thousands of dollars and it would take a while. Um, and I do think that there's certainly value in having somebody come in and custom build a website for you. But I do think also that you can now get started on your own without spending a ton of money and without having a a very expensive monthly recurring fee with sites like Wix and Squarespace, which, you know, gets quite a bit of publicity. um, You can really put something together nice based on the templates that they have. And they've got so many templates and there's so many variations and so many things you can do to make them look really unique and professional. And they also have components in there that make them look good on the mobile phone and my recommendation for that is to start out with the basics, you know, as opposed to waiting months and months to have something that is everything you need it to be. I've always been a fan of having a website that grows, that changes, get the content changing, but start with the basics. And I highly recommend starting with that now. Yeah. When you first start out, it's hard to come up with what all you would put on your site. Um, you know, assuming you're the type of company like that's like ours, where you're you're a service to someone. Um, and you're spread around, but definitely having contact info on there, basics about what you do. Don't go too out of control with the clip art <laughs> or the, I guess I should say stock photos. No one really uses clip art much anymore, but with the, with the, with the stock photos, try to not look cheesy, but they do give you some, they give you some good templates if you're not inclined um, to, de- to design at all. Yeah. And speaking of Wix, which is something we've been using recently, they kind of have an all in package that allows you to get a website up. Um, connect um, and get a Google suite um, set of emails all set up through their site. And then there's tons of plugins, some of them free, some of them paid that allow you to kind of take your website to the next level when you're ready. But the great thing is about, I mean, you're, you, you would spend less than a hundred dollars a month on a website like that, that can be just everything you need for getting started. Now, obviously in our Um, space. Our website's more of a, oh, I heard about your company. Let me go see what you do. Whereas I know in certain businesses, the website becomes much more of, you know, it's, it's e-commerce and that sort of thing. But these sites have a lot of that stuff as well. There's 
lots of plugins you can get to go ahead and get a store built and all that sort of thing. So um, before you spend a lot of money on um, something that is going to take a long time to build and um, require a lot of time to set up, it's worth checking into these. Yeah, they should let you look like you both didn't overthink it and never get something out or that you're not taking it seriously. Because like what you said, when someone said, I've heard about your company and they go to look to see if you're legitimate, you don't, you don't want to have a whole bunch of red flags um, that look really amateurish sticking out there. And I think most people, you know, even when they put a, a crappy website up, if they if you look at it objectively, you know what garbage looks like when you see it. You don't have to be able to do it or be a designer to know that something's garbage. And and if and if you're having that problem, get, get some help from somebody that does have that eye. Yeah, and the last thing you want to do is get an email address with your own domain and then start, you know, giving out business cards. People go to your website and they see a coming soon in under construction. No, don't do that ever. Don't not without a time machine to the late 90s, no. <laughs> Yeah, get the little. What about the little construction guy that shovels uh, the clip art? Speaking of the clip art, you were talking about that's that's pretty awesome stuff. You know, if it's animated, it's super impressive, so you can do that. But otherwise, no. That's true. Well, I think that's probably um, we're we're running into uh, our time on this episode. But that, those were kind of the basics that I wanted to get into. Is there anything else you want to mention? I mean, the only other thing that I have kind of um, that's kind of key is we time tracking. Um, we. We use Harvest for that, um, and I can't really speak to other options. I think we looked into a few when we were first starting, but Harvest has been good to us over the years and um, has the ability to do just about everything you need, entering your time, invoicing, even accepting payments now. Yeah, getharvest.com is what that, that website is. So yeah, I, I would uh, suggest going and checking out all of these different things. And you know, we'll, we'll put that on, the, uh, on our website, the um, egp.fm. Uh, we'll put a list of all these tools we use and you can go check them out yourself. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking more about finance and some of the decisions that you face when starting out. And we've got a real live financial advisor that uh, we've worked with for years that we're going to um, have on the show. And he's going to talk through lots of different finance things. So that one should be pretty interesting. And I think that'll wrap us up for this week and we will see you next time.